0: good friend Al Batt is joining us now. Good morning, Al.
1: Good morning. Another exciting addition. So it's uh, fun to be in your company. The weather's going to be changeable, I yeah. guess, but it, it it always has been, always will be, I guess. I, it, I forget which day I was out. The sun brought a, a wind with it, and it caused the shadows of grasses to dance on the unblemished new snow. Oh, it was just, it was like a work of art. Uh, it was just so lovely. Uh blue jays and cardinals speaking of lovely, they're the flowers of our winter gardens, and I watched a blue jay obviously at the top of the jay pecking order. Take it's time shelling peanuts at the feeder as four other jays waited in the shrub nearby. And the jay was like, like that guy, and we've all experienced that guy, ahead of us in line at a busy convenience store who takes his time scratching off the lottery tickets <laughs> he'd just purchased before getting out of line, out of a long line always. It's never a short line when that happens. A uh, nice caller, listens to KMSU, uh, was talking to me about Nuthatchers. And she knew they were white-breasted nuthatches, but nuthatchers was her term of endearment, oh. so it was, it was sweet. Uh, the Yards Feeders, they, be, they become incredibly busy with the snow and cold weather, and they bustle right before snarling weather hits, as birds are nature's barometer. Uh, They need more calories in bad weather and they attack the feeders as if the food holders were offering a Black Friday sale. The extended nice fall weather had made them more likely to travel and go out to eat at natural places. I heard from Chad Hines on uh, December 8th, he's uh, heavily involved with the Hawk Watch in the Mankato area. He said, we have entered the last week of our official count at this point and may be looking for a merciful ending to our season. After the Broadwing hawk flight in September, we have had one of the quietest falls ever. I talked to a biologist from Hawk Ridge recently, and he lamented that a similar phenomenon had been recorded at their site as well. I'm not sure what caused this, but I know that we'll be praying that it never repeats again movement at this point is largely bald eagles. Since we have had a flash freeze, most lakes to our north should be frozen over and this species will likely continue to migrate through the end of our period and beyond. Brad Baldwin, who is doing a Christmas bird count. He's a compiler. I believe it's today he's doing it in the Fairmont, Martin County area. He saw a greater white-fronted goose in Martin County, also a northern shoveler, Cooper's hawk, common goldeneye, a lesser scop, common merganser, some snow geese, northern harrier, a merlin, rusty blackbirds, flickers, wild turkeys, and a clay-colored sparrow near the George Lake Dam. I did not see a single rusty blackbird in my yard this fall, Ron. I can't. It's been a long time since that has been the case. And I'm sure if they were here, I just wasn't home when they were here. Otherwise, they just said, you know, we're not stopping at the bats this year. Let's (laughs) blow him off and make him wonder about things. Uh, John Schlodweiler saw a Cooper's hawk in New Ulm. Uh, Ron Erpelding saw a fox sparrow in Renville County ray faber spotted a northern harrier and a rough-legged hawk uh, and i know i've mentioned this before but the rough-legged hawk when i was a boy i called a christmas hawk because i'd see him in december uh my thanks to dennis pressure uh, denny is a high school classmate he and vicky force presented me with some bird seed and it was like a, a five a gallon pail of bird seed and it's really nice and then he said how long that will that last you and i i didn't tell him i changed the subject quickly to something <laughs> else because it's uh it's pretty much gone already yeah. so they go in a hurry here so that was really nice of him and he did it uh, for for no apparent reason so that was awfully nice uh tim scott and miss lona sent me photos of a hawk and
0: dang it! I think I can say dang, dang it!
1: <laughs> I can't tell for sure what it is. Is it's that the one exhibitor. that's
0: it, there? Was one that was a, a all white, and people were wondering: is, is there such a thing as an albino hawk? Is that the one, or a different one?
1: This is a different oh, one, okay. and um, yeah, uh, some neighbors sent me a photo of a snowy owl, and also a white, and it was a red-tailed hawk in this case. Okay, and. Uh, it wasn't quite all white, so it'd be leukism, and some people will still call it partial albinism, and I think that's a perfectly good term. Uh, and but there are, there can be albinos, but you do see some white hawks, and boy, they're just—they're uh, so beautiful, and maybe they do well this time of year with the snow on the ground, and. Uh, I, course they're coming from the air most of the time but i suppose if you're a rabbit you're kind of looking up for something brownish that's going to be coming at you a dark color and if it's white it's it's not a good thing if you're a bunny out there and something white comes out of the sky to get you it seems very unfair very very unfair um but tim and miss lona this um they sent nice photos Uh, It looks like it caught a bird, and I was wondering what it it caught, because then you can kind of gauge the size of the bird. I'd guess, if I have to, and boy, I have to, that it's either a Cooper's or a Sharpshin. We have three exhibitors, Cooper's, Sharpshin, and goshawk. And they go up the scale of size, Sharpshin, the smallest, then Cooper's, and then the northern goshawk. Uh, The coopers are the ones that nest around here in the winter and uh, make raids to our bird feeders. Uh, We see a lot of sharp shins. I shouldn't say a lot, but we see sharp shins and coopers this time of year. Northern goshawks are typically much farther north, and we don't see so many of them. On this one, I can't see the legs. And as you might expect, uh, sharp shins, uh, their name proclaims they have thin legs. And Sharpies generally have little or no white on the tip of a squared tail. And coops have a bold white tip on a rounded tail. And again, that is rarely seen on a Sharpie, that white. Uh, Sharpie male is about the size of a blue jay. Now, Everybody remembers that in hawks, and raptors in general the females are considerably larger than the males and that can like bald eagles can be up to 25 percent larger the female can be 25 percent larger than the male so uh, he does what she it tells him to do <laughs> and uh, so a sharpie male is about the size of a blue jay and a Cooper's female is around the size of a crow. So those are the two size extremes. The Sharpie is the smallest, Cooper's female is the biggest. So then where does the male Cooper's hawk and the female Sharpie, where do they fit in? They fall somewhere in between the other two. And those are the two that can be really difficult to identify if you can't get good looks at the tail and the legs and things, because they're about the same size. And young birds of both species have white modeling on their back. And this bird had that, so I'm guessing it's a young bird. If I could have made out the eyes, they have pale eyes that turn orange-red as they mature. And uh, boy, Tim and Lona, I'm sorry I can't be certain. I, I plan on whipping myself on the back <laughs> with a wet noodle, and I wish I could ID every bird. But um, it's not to be, I guess. Uh, do crows migrate? Oh, yes and no. Boy we have a lot of yes and no and it depends answers. <laughs> some yeah, some stay where they are and they tackle the winter. They just say, you know, it's not bad. It's traveling is such a hassle today. We're just gonna stay here. We like it here. There's food. Others moved to warmer areas returning when the cold had faded, and researchers at Hamilton College studied crows in New York and California, so not in Minnesota, but in New York and California. They found that the crows in those two areas migrate to escape burdensome weather or to breed, and they found that 73% of the Western crows, the California crows in their study, migrated. Eighty-six percent of the eastern crows, those in New York, migrated. American crows, our crows that we have here in Minnesota, are considered partially migratory. Some populations migrate. The whole bunch, they just uh, they get out of there. Some populations don't migrate at all. And then you have other groups where some individual crows migrate and some don't. So, crows in the southern part of their range aren't likely to migrate, but they may adjust foraging and roosting territories. Crows migrate out of the northernmost parts of their range. Migratory and resident crows both move to urban heat islands during the winter. So, we... Probably get some crows that come down, uh, maybe maybe this far, maybe to the Twin Cities, northern Minnesota. They get out of the really way up north. They'll come south a ways. I imagine they only come as far south as they have to to uh, get by. And again, they all like those urban heat islands. And what is an urban heat island? Boy, Mankato certainly is one. Albert Lee, Austin—you know any place where you're driving along, you got that thermometer in your car because everybody has those. So as you drive down the road, it gives you something to talk about with your spouse. You know, it just went down a degree. And you're driving along, and you get to Mankato or oh, the Twin Cities, big time. You'll notice that the temperature typically rises a little bit, and it might not seem much to us, especially when we're driving in the comfort of a, a temperature-controlled vehicle. But for a bird boy, a couple degrees, that just makes all the difference sometimes. And so they're happily uh, moving to these cities, and that's why we see them, uh, particularly at night, because they will go out and forage during the day. And then when it's time to go to roost, they head to town. And uh, Rochester was having problems with uh, crow, a large crow roost uh, in Austin. I know St. Olaf uh, Church there, the crows like to roost in the uh, tree right out in front of the church and, of course, leave droppings <laughs> on the sidewalk there because everything has to go. Yeah. So they, um, they don't always find places that we want them to be, but they're places that are best for them, and they determine that in, in survival. I watched a bird wiping its bill on a branch. What's going on there? Well, it's because they have no napkins or sleeves. You know, I'm a little boy, and we didn't need a napkin if we had long sleeves on. We just wiped on there, and we were good. There's a word; it's called feaking. F E A K I N G, and it's a word used uh, by falconers. Oh. It, and it describes the act of a raptor wiping its bill on an object to clean it after eating. So like you'll a napkin? see this a lot.
0: Like, like yep, you, know, you see,
1: like them after Thanksgiving? Yeah, Cooper's hawks, bald eagles, red-tailed hawks. You see them do it a lot because uh, you, you think about what they're eating. You know, they're eating meat, and it's just messy, so they have to wipe that. But bill wiping is a behavior I witness in my yard uh, with other birds, uh, feeder birds, after the birds have been feeding on suet is one where I often see them a uh, bird's bill is made of keratin, the same stuff as our fingernails. There is observational evidence that some species wipe their bills to maintain the shape of their bills or beaks. So they're just, it's like a file, like a fingernail file. They're using it just to keep their bills in good shape. And that certainly makes sense. And also birds have oil glands for preening their feathers, and this oil contains chemicals that may send scent signals to potential mates so there's some belief that a male might wipe oil onto branches with his bill to drum up female interest and uh, you know uh, guys will try anything so I, I know that's very possible uh, how this uh, Two questions here. How big a territory does a great horned owl have? And I'm uh, certainly hearing them hoot now. They do that who's awake, me too. Uh, it, this, the great horned owl doesn't build its own nest. It commandeers a nest of hawks, crows, ospreys, bald eagles, even squirrels and they do no maintenance on the nest whatsoever. And why don't they do any maintenance? Because they are unable to watch instructional videos on YouTube. <laughs> if they could do that, they could do some home repairs. And because of that, they use most of the nests for only one year, and they do that to prevent eggs or young from falling through the holes in a dilapidated nest that they did no repairs on. They will also, of course, nest in hollows and on broken snags or man-made structures. Great horned owls vigorously defend their nesting territory from other owls and hawks, and a nesting territory can range in size from one-third, maybe up to two square miles. It depends on how how good a hunting it is in those areas. Uh, The other question from the same listener said, Al, you talked about Christmas gift suggestions for nature nuts. Could you mention those again? Yeah, I didn't mention a whole lot of them, but uh, Minnesota State Park stickers Hmm. or, or pass or permit or whatever you want to call them. And that allows unlimited visits to the 75 state parks and recreation areas that are we blessed by here in Minnesota. It's thirty-five dollars for a year. So if you give one someone right now in December, it's good till next December, and it's available at any Minnesota State Park. And they're just wonderful gifts for uh, folks that are out there uh, visiting, whether they do camping or birding or hiking or uh, whatever they uh, whatever they're out there doing. It's uh, just a, a great, great gift. And then, of course, books. And warm mittens, you can get those with or without dummy strings. Uh, or some people call them dummy clips, <laughs> the ones without the strings. And those are, uh, you, you look like a dork, but you don't lose your mittens. Exactly. And then bird feeders and bird feed are just uh, a few of the many wonderful gifts. Someone asked uh, about buying binoculars yesterday, and they'd like to get a A gift of binoculars for somebody, and that's a wonderful gift, but make sure you get a gift receipt with it because, you know, one binocular isn't, or binoculars, one model of binoculars isn't made for everybody all binoculars don't fit everybody we have different size hands or eyes are different so i always tell people to try out binoculars before they buy them so when you give them as a gift uh, maybe a oh i don't know gift certificate or gift card and put on there these are for binoculars or something like that because uh... you know if they don't oh you know how we are we get something from somebody we love and it's hard to return them because you don't want to do that. You know, unless you're married to the person that gave it <laughs> to you, and then you can. But, but anybody else, you just think, oh, geez. You know, what if they come over and say, hey, where's that? Uh, where's that thing I gave you? Are you using it? And then you either have to lie or, or just tell the truth and say, no, I took it back. So binoculars need to be. Uh, it's good if they could just try them out. And I know that takes some of the uh, surprise out of it. But they make wonderful, wonderful gifts. And you can spend anywhere from $100 to $3,000 for binoculars. And what do you get with 3000 Yeah, You get the name of the binocular, and it uh, gives you that cool look. You know, there's a, a sex appeal to having these great binoculars. So that's part of it. You also get ruggedness. There is some craftsmanship. Uh, the glass is uh, is better, so you do get a number of things. But you know, if for most folks, if you're looking through a three hundred dollar pair of binoculars and a three thousand dollar pair, are you going to say, "Wow, it's what a difference"? Uh, you'll notice maybe around the outer edge of the glass it's a little better and in dark light there's more brightness in the uh, expensive binoculars, but for the most part you're the, the other ones are going to work fine
0: for you. Is yeah. there a uh, certain power you should look for that's, you know, I guess it's what what is a good power? Because, you know, 10x or whatever they, the numbers are.
1: Sure. For uh, burning, I'd say 7 to 10. A lot of people are able to use 10s without any problems. They got a lot better. The problem with a lot of the heavier power, you typically want the objective lens, which is the one closest to the object. You want the power divided into that. So if you have 7 by 35 binoculars, you want that to be 5 is a good idea. So 8 by 40. Mm -hmm. So when you get up to 10s, then you got 10 by 50s on a lot of these and it gets heavy after a while because you have those bigger objective lens but seven by thirty five eight by forty uh, those are just uh... some of you get eight and a half by forty two or something like that so those are the generally the the good ones that you use for looking at birds i see some at uh... some of these stores where they'll have twelve power and things like that and boy then you get you know, you get 12 powers. We all have a little tremor that we'll notice in our hands. We're just not mm-hmm. as steady as we think we are, no matter how old we are. And we hold it up and we'll see that, just that little movement, and it can just blur the vision of what we're looking at. And so then you end up, you need a tripod or a monopod or something to put these things on. If you're looking at stuff and you're in a boat most of the time, then you can sit down and prop a bump your elbows on your knees or something, and you can use 12 power. But if you're walking through the woods uh, doing that kind of thing, 12 power is just too strong for that. So, uh, yeah, and there's what brand? They're all good. They're all good. I don't like, and I know some folks will say, "Boy, I love mine." I don't like the autofocus ones. I like being able to focus it myself. Uh, I don't. Uh, I guess that's about the only thing. A lot of people like straps that give them support when they're using them. I just throw it around my neck. Uh, I, I keep thinking about something. Uh, actually, somebody gave me a strap for Christmas about 10 years ago, and it's still in the box. I'm feeling guilty about that, so I hide it and hope I never run <laughs> into them on the trail. So there's many things that you can get with binoculars. Any binocular is better than none i would say that so uh, get some if you don't have any and the gift thing i just be real cautious on that because they're not meant for everybody
0: did you mention and any? A, I was going to ask you if you for gifts did you mention any gift subscriptions like to any magazines or anything because that always seems like a good thing is there any you'd recommend for that
1: Oh, uh, i love bird watchers digest it's a reader's digest size and it has wonderful writing in it and uh um uh, and then it has mine in it, too. But other than that, it's all pretty good stuff. So it's uh, I like it a lot. It's a handy size that you can just uh, throw into a briefcase. And then you can sit at your desk or your purse. And when you're supposed to be working, you can read Birdwatcher's Digest. And so it's very handy. And there are a lot of other wonderful magazines out there. But I, I really like Birdwatcher's Digest. A membership to a uh, local... Uh, nature center around here i think of the Hormel nature center in austin you can become a friend of that for a very very reasonable charge also to the audubon society there's a minnesota audubon and national audubon and i've been a member of that forever and that's a a wonderful outfit as my father would say everything was an outfit that's a good outfit belong to you know so i said uh, audubon is uh, does a lot of great things and uh, i would highly recommend them and this is by no uh, means uh, the the list of everything there's so many wonderful things out there and people come up with all these great ideas Uh, those warm mittens i can't say enough nice thing about those and you can get them I don't know what you call those little convertible things where you open the fingers on it so you can use a, you know, your bare fingers if you need to, and then you put that back down, and they're very nice. They're not as as warm as those that aren't convertible mittens, if that's the right term on those, but uh, mittens are great. Uh, warm socks, uh, wool mm-hmm. socks, if you have people that like to do Oh, winter camping or winter hiking, or just walking around a lake in Minnesota, you know, in the winter time, it can be really cold out there, and I have found, as I'm sure many of you have, if your feet are cold, oh, you got problems, and all of a sudden you hear that strange sound, and it's your teeth chattering because your <laughs> feet are cold. And uh, your whole body just, uh, our bodies are very sympathetic. If we have cold feet, the rest of the body just pitches in and says, oh, we are so sorry. Here, we're going to shiver and things for you. So all those things uh, make for uh, for great gifts. And I, anybody, anybody on your Christmas gifts, folks, gift lists would be just happy to get anything from you.
0: Well, I just bought right. for Blake, I got, you know, he skis, I bought a pair of, electric socks you there's a little battery at the top and it, it oh, heats, sure. heats your feet and and he tried it on and the, the the battery part is above the boot so he can you know snap his boot and everything because you're on the ski hill a long time and and that gets pretty cold so he always complains about cold feet so we got him now he's got electric heater socks
1: that sounds good. You know, I've, I've been a bell ringer forever and uh, done a lot of them standing outside. The coldest one was by a large drugstore and it was just uh, across the road from a lake and the wind would come across that lake and you end up stamping your feet because you're, you're not walking around much. You're just standing there ringing the bell and oh man, your feet would get cold. So I've, I found some, uh, my, I, my wife made me some nice wool socks on boy it's just like you it's like your feet had walked indoors and left the rest of you outside it was just really nice to have warm feet so that's really a thoughtful guest a gift and I'm sure he'll have he'll enjoy that each and every day that he's skiing probably not when he's in school or
0: something <laughs> you right because I think it, it actually may get too hot I don't know I got it was like three pair were cheaper than than one so we've got three pairs so i might even try them out myself because i don't like getting cold feet because i've had frostbite in the past on my toes and you know how that Ooh. works you get then oh. the next time it's really woof you get it quickly you can't, oh yeah oh so.
1: gosh well i merry christmas everyone i hope you uh i hope you just are all uh happy and safe and you stay okay over this uh this Christmas holiday season, uh, as, as more weather comes in, that we get, as one weather leaves, uh, another one comes in. And again, my dad always said, you know, we always have weather. I guess, yeah, <laughs> it's hard to argue with that. We, we do pretty much always have weather. I want to thank everybody for uh, sitting on the front porch with Karen and I. I. I think in a Christmas. I remember the Christmas table at when I was a, a young boy. It was made up of tables cobbled together and it ended in a card table with spindly folding legs. And that was a kid's table. And it was the one farthest from the kitchen. It's different today. We, we could barely smell the food out in the kitchen. We were so far away. And, and kids, out of sight, out of mind, I guess, in those days. And one day, you're just sitting at that table, and it occurred to me that I was a table elder. <laughs> and I was surrounded by these knuckleheaded younger kin, and I wanted to move up the pecking order, and I knew somebody had to disappear, you know, move away, die, go into nursing homes, something for that to happen. But there were those shameful moments when I thought, well, oh, it'd be worth it. But one Christmas, one of my tribe of well, apple knockers would be a perfect term for these guys proclaimed he was sick to death of cold cream peas and he kicked a spindly folding leg of the card table and the leg did its job it folded and allowed the cream peas to tumble onto my lap I hope you have a great Christmas without a lap filled with cream piece. Remember, Heartland is well worth driving past. Thanks for listening. Do something wild today. Get out there and look at a bird. Thank you, as always, Karen. It's a, a great pleasure to visit with you.
0: One for the road from our friend John in New Ulm. This is a home run for Al, which always means that, yeah, we'll see. Man. Put the pressure on. What did Santa pay for his sleigh?
1: What did Santa pay for his sleigh? I don't know.
0: Nothing. It was on the house.
1: <laughs> oh, man, John. You know, I was still, I bask in the glory of the whole week for getting the last one right. And now I'll just be in a in a black mood till until next
0: time. Oh, well, don't worry. Christmas is coming and you've been good. So Santa will be lifting your spirits soon. Thanks, Al. Oh,
1: I'm in. I'm in a great mood, so thank you very much for putting me there.
0: All right. Bye-bye.
1: Bye-bye.